0: You're listening to the Lawless Podcast. Hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Allow List. This is one of my favorite Rewind episodes. It's from Life Snacks, my previous podcast. The episode actually aired on February 8th of 2022, so it's been a little, but I think even though it previously was recorded, it's an incredible listen, especially if you're someone thinking about building a consumer brand, a consumer service brand, especially in the beauty space. Allie is a wealth of knowledge. She invented, what, the $40 blow dry was when it started? I know I'm a dry bar stan and love their product. And at the time, Allie was just a dream guest to have on the show. And she still is doing so many incredible things in the consumer space. So tune into this conversation with Allie and let me know what you think. to another episode. I'm so excited to have... Ali Webb on the podcast today. Ali was on my dream guest list before I started the podcast and I am just so beyond excited to have her here on the show. If you don't know who Allie is, she is the founder of Dry Bar. So, yes, the inventor of the $40 blowout that basically changed my life and probably yours too, if you remember years ago that little shop called Dry Bar popping up where you could go in and get your hair blown out for $40. Allie is the founder of Drybar. She's also the founder of Squeeze, Beckett & Quill, and OK Humans. This woman has really done so much over her career, and she shares her honest advice as someone who didn't go to college or ever dream of being a CEO and business owner and really having the life she has today. We talk about how she bounced around throughout her 20s and just really followed whatever was exciting for her at the time, and I thought that was so interesting considering... I don't think we think like that today. We more are always thinking about how we can take the next step to take us to the next step, to take us to ultimately where we want to be instead of this idea of just following what feels exciting and fun. Because if you ask me, that sounds terrifying. Like we all are kind of wired to have these plans now. So I really loved this conversation around following what feels fun and exciting to you at the time and really how that just led Allie to so much success. Alrighty guys, without further ado, let's sit down with the woman that invented the blowout, basically taught me that I don't need to wash my hair ever after getting a blowout and the incredible entrepreneur and businesswoman that is Ali Webb. Ali, we like to start this podcast with the most important question first, and that is what is your favorite snack right now? And what was your favorite childhood snack?
1: Oh gosh, what is my favorite snack right now? Um, gosh, I it's so not fun. It's such a boring snack. It's <laughs> really, like I literally just before I came on here, I like downed. It's gonna sound not good. This is it's like turkey slices. I love <laughs> turkey. No, <laughs> I think that's a fair snack. I I feel that it's like healthy and. You know, like I love nuts and like cashews, but like, I've learned that they're so high in calories. So I try to avoid my nutritionist is like, you got to chill on the nuts. (laughs) Cashews would have been my answer. I love cashews. I do think they're like the most superior nut is cashews for sure. But yeah, so I'm trying to, I'm trying, and also I think as you age and you look younger than me, but I, (laughs) you know, you're, it's like, we're supposed to get as you get older, well, I'm sure this is probably true for any age, like getting a lot of protein in. So turkey is like filling and mm-hmm. protein. So that's like my go-to. Yeah. You should
0: try chomps. It's like a turkey stick. I brand. know, I know chomps. I love mm. chomps. Yeah. I, do. I yeah. eat those a lot. And my boyfriend's it's like, are so you good. eating a Slim Jim, Warren?" And I'm like, no, it's a turkey stick. Yeah, Those are good too. I love those too. All right. And what was your favorite childhood stack? Maybe this one's a little bit more wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was like a toss up
1: between Doritos and Oreos, you know, yeah. I was like Classics. almost religiously would come home from school and, and I would put like Oreos, like five Oreos in a cup of milk and let them like get really mm-hmm. soft. Yeah. And it was like a spoon. Like, but unfortunately I don't really eat Oreos very much. Although they are in my house a lot because all of the children in my house love them, understandably. And I don't drink. I don't have dairy ever anymore. And and I've learned that almond milk and Oreos. Yeah, it's the, not the al- same. Doesn't break it like the Oreo down, which is telling.
0: Um, so that snack is dead. Zappers, my favorite. Well, Oreos are a classic. I never like once in a while still enjoy a good Oreo. I know me too. I do cheat and have Oreos <laughs> time to time for sure. Okay. Allie, take us back to when you were in your early twenties. I know you went to college for a brief period of time and then you left and you really took on the world. So tell us who was Ali then? What was she feeling? What did she think she was going to do with her career and her life?
1: Well, I mean, what year do we get out of high school? How old are we, 18, 19? 18, yeah, yeah, 18. So, yeah, I, I was really lost out of um, high school and I went to like, I didn't actually physically go to college. I, um, you know, I went to FSU for like a hot second and then realized that wasn't for me. And I, you know, I, I stumbled around a lot as a kid. I went to um, the Art Institute for like, fashion marketing. I think my parents had their own clothing store. So I was like, you know, thinking I was going to go down that path of doing something in like clothing and retail and all of that. And obviously that didn't end up being the thing. Cause I ended up going to beauty school when I was in my, I don't know. I think I was like 20 ish. So yeah, I guess that's where it was, but I did move to New York right after my brief stint in Tallahassee. And, you know, I mean, I was like, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, you know? And I think I was really perplexed by how, you know, my friends had majors and they knew what they wanted to do. And I'm still perplexed that yeah. I kid knows that at 18 or 19, it's like, I, you know, I talked to my kids and who are now 17 and almost 15. And it's like, they don't, they don't really yeah. know. And of course they don't know. I was like, of course we don't know. And who we are when we're 19 or 20 or 25, it all just changes so much. And, you know, so yeah, I, I was like, pretty, pretty confused back then, but trying to just figure it out. And, you know, I think one of the things that I did, you know, unconsciously was like, I just kind of kept trying to, um, you know, follow the thing that like made me excited to get out of bed in the morning. And I kept searching and searching for that, you know, in my early twenties and throughout my twenties and figure out, you know, which is ultimately what led me to beauty school because I loved doing hair and I really wanted to do it as a craft, as a profession. So that's how I landed there. And like, I think I was like 20 or 21. So I think that's probably when like my hair career was really getting started.
0: It's so funny you say that because my boyfriend and I were just talking about like when you're in college, like I wish I could go to college again now and be like, okay, maybe it'd be cool to take this class because then you have no idea at that time in life, like what you want to do. You like want to have fun with your friends and then you get into this real world and you're like, oh, shit." shit. Yeah,
1: (laughs) well, so true. My seventeen-year-old son now is like, who I didn't think would necessarily go to college, is entertaining the idea of going to college, and I think it's just because he wants to go to college for the fun of it and the friends. And he had kind of like a weird high school career, so it is like, yeah. And and I'm more like, just go to go to college if you're going to go to college for like the life experience. Like, don't worry so much about like figuring out what you know how you're going to make a
0: living. No, Absolutely. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. I feel like I went to college and I learned how to show up for class and like navigate the system care to yourself. take care of myself, right? And yeah. like what you had to do to get by, which is a life skill. So totally. when you are jumping around in your 20s, you were exploring different careers and interests. Did you ever feel like lost and afraid at those times? And like, how would you advise someone maybe going through that now? in their first job or their second job, having that, oh shit moment, how would you advise them to navigate that fear? Well, you know, I think the advice I
1: give people is always to like, like I was saying is like, you know, try to keep it's, I think when you're that age and, and hopefully you have support and everybody has different levels of support and whatever, but you know, it's like, you don't, for the most part have children yet. You don't have a family. You can, you know, like when I lived in New York city, I lived in like a teeny tiny apartment, you know, with a bunch of girls, like it, but it's like the only time in your life that you can like really be free to go explore other things without any responsibility, any real responsibility. I mean, other than like maybe having a job to help support yourself. But, so I think it's like, it's the time to really like explore, you know, and find and try and try and like always find yourself, which I don't. I think is like a lifelong, mm-hmm. you know, exploration of like, and you and it changes as you as you get older and circumstance and all of that. But I think as like like I was saying, for me, I just I kind of kept doing the thing that I was I liked doing versus getting stuck in this like I should be doing what my parents think I should be doing or what my friends are doing or what I, you know, we get these like ideas in our head. I think when we're young about what we have to be doing, what we should be doing, which I don't think that goes away by the way. You know, it's also like a lot of what I talk about with like budding entrepreneurs. It's like, well, I don't know if this is going to work and it's not quite right. And blah blah. so you know, it's like they, so they don't end up doing it. I, you know, one of the things that I always say that my brother always said was like, don't let perfect get in the way of progress. You mm. know, everything has to be just so yeah. to do it. And I think that is the same kind of, you know, as when you're like a kid and you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, like keep doing the thing that you enjoy doing. I think that will lead you to the right ultimate path of what you end up doing with your life.
0: I love that you said, don't get, let perfect get in the way of progress. Cause I think that's exactly what happens, right? We feel like we have to take the perfect next step. And then most people get stuck because they don't have the confidence to take any next step in any direction. Were you always like pretty self-confident when you were in those younger years? Or did you, did you have this knowing, like, I'm going to be Ali Webb, the CEO and founder of all these companies and like, or what, what was going through your head at that time that gave you the confidence to keep taking the step?
1: Well, I mean, I definitely did not I mean, I was such a like, you know, my brother My older brother, Michael, who's, you know, my business partner Mm. in dry bar And my best friend and whatever (laughs) He was was always the overachiever And I was always like, it seems it's even weird to say it But I was more of a wallflower My brother was like always in trouble And I was never in trouble I was such a rule follower when I was a kid And then somewhere along the line that all changed But not as a kid, you know I think I always had this like feeling in the back of my mind that like everything would work out the way it was supposed to. And I kind of, you know, I think I lived a little bit like blissfully unaware and I didn't worry too much. And I didn't, but I, you know, it it was never like, I was never trying to figure it all out. You know, I was like, when I decided to go to beauty school, it was like, Oh, I want to go to beauty school because I want to do hair. And I want to end up doing hair for like fashion shows and, you know, editorial and that kind of thing. And, and that didn't end up happening, but that was like, what I thought I was going to do. And, and I think my confidence and my, you know, becoming, you know, who I, who I ultimately am was like many, many steps, many jobs in the making. And, you know, remember when I was working at, like, I worked at a PR firm in New York called Rogers and Cowan for a little while. And that was like my, my only and first like real like corporate job. Um, but it was a great experience and it was definitely like, each that was a big job for me, like learning how to flex a different muscle and like professionalism and learning how to like compose emails and Mm -hmm. write things that you probably learned in college maybe, but I didn't because I didn't go. Um, but I think all of the different jobs and all the experiences, you know, while I was also following what I loved, you know, they all like kind of helped build up my confidence to become who I ultimately became, you know? And, and with Drybar, it was like, you know, I had spent so many years in the salon industry and I worked for owners of salons. So I understood both sides of the business. And I didn't even know or think about that education that I was getting at the time. You know? So it was like all of, I always say this, like all of the jobs that I had, and there was a lot of them, you know, they all kind of uniquely prepared me for what you know, I ultimately ended up doing was like starting dry bar. And then, you know, dry bar took off so much that, you know, now it was like managing people and raising money and all the things. And I, you know, I I learned it all along the way. And that experience over the last like 10 years gave me a lot of confidence in like, you know, I just, I just learned a lot, you know, of how to, you know, maneuver and how to, you know, be a boss and how to, you know, manage people and how to be a better leader. And I wasn't always good at it. I just, it was, you know, a lot of trial and error and experience.
0: It's interesting because I feel like I'm not sure how spiritual of a person you are, but it's like the law of detachment and like detaching from outcomes. And I don't think you like were consciously aware of that in your 20s, but it seems like you were just following what's fun and you weren't attached to an outcome. And it makes me think about myself and my friends. And I feel like everyone's so hyper attached to these outcomes that the idea of following what's fun doesn't exist anymore. It's like, okay, if I get this job, I'll learn this skill to take to this as to like what I ultimately want to do, which is like great, but also awful because I feel like no one has the confidence to just follow the things that interest them anymore.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you know, I didn't, I don't, I don't, I'm probably not like attached enough to like, I don't know how old you are, but your generation of friends and your, you know, but it's interesting to hear that. I mean, I think that that's like, so crucial, you know, I think there is a, like, I I think it's hard to escape this, like, you know, let me plan my life out and let me figure it all out. And, you know, it just, I remember my mom used to always say like, and you've heard this a million times, like, and I'm not a very religious person, but like, you know, you make plans and God laughs. Like Mm -hmm. you've heard that, you know, and I, and it always like struck me because it's like things almost never, almost never go the way yeah. you think they're going to go or the way you plan them to go. And it, it, there is, there's like all these twists and turns. And I think to your point, the more you embrace the, like, let me kind of go with the flow here, the better off. And I mean, that, and that was my experience. And of course I can only speak to my experience And I have, you know, tens of other friends who are founders and of, you know, really big successful companies. And they, and they did have more of a, like, regimented path, So, you know, I think it is kind of where your comfort zone is. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and certainly not everybody's comfortable playing in the, like, I'm just going to see what happens. You know, I mean, it was kind of almost a joke in my family too. It's like, you know, something to the effect of like, you know, everything just works out for Allie, you know, which I'm like, well, I don't know if that's true. You know, I mean, I, I, I didn't find real success until I was in, I was 35, you know, so I think it's just kind of different for everybody. And I think therein lies, like the the big lesson is like, do what works best for you, you know, not for your friends and your family. It's like, what, what, what yeah. is what lights you up, you know?
0: Absolutely. So as the story goes, you ended up work, you were staying home with your kids and that's kind of, where Drybar was founded. So tell us about that time in life. You're a mom. You kind of wanted more. You wanted to escape from your kids. And how did this evolve into this massive brand it is today?
1: Well, I mean, I, you know, for as long as I can remember when I was like, in, speaking of twenties, I always really wanted kids and babies. And I loved, you know, I, I, that biological clock thing was ticking for me very early. And you know, I became a stay at home mom when I was 30 with my first son and then my second son, two and a half years later. And I stayed home for five years and, and did really love that experience and that time with my kids. But, you know, I, I did also start to feel pretty quickly like this is not I don't want to say enough, but it didn't feel like fulfilling. And I felt enough and I wanted to go do something for myself again. And I longed for that and I missed it. And so, you know, it was like trying to figure out how to like manage being with my kids enough and go do something for myself. And, you know, my ex-husband, Cam, who's the creative mastermind of dry bar and all that. He was very supportive of that. Like, you know, like, yeah, go, it was like starting again, you know, like mm-hmm. go figure out what you want to do. You know, And, and so I did try a couple other things and you know, what I ultimately ended up doing was starting a mobile, bl- mobile blowout business, which was very catered to like my mommy friends and like moms in LA. And I had just moved to LA. So I was still pretty new. And I just got, you know, I was like putting up ads all the time and Instagram wasn't really, you know, hadn't really caught on yet. So I was like posting on Yahoo groups. Do you remember that? So funny, but anyway, you know, so I started this mobile business and I was only charging $40 and that was really, you know, that idea to only charge $40 was really just to get business. Cause I knew, you know, especially in LA, it was like, you couldn't get somebody to come over to your house for less than a hundred bucks at Mm -hmm. least. And I knew I was a, you know, good enough stylist and people would like me and whatever the, the, the hair that I did. And you know, that's exactly what happened. I got so busy so fast. And, and, and the the magic that I discovered was only charging $40 for a blowout was like, oh yeah, people will do this all day long, all the time. Yeah. You know, charging $150 for a blowout is like, oh, that's a special, special occasion type thing. Totally. Where I was like, I, I think women want this more, you know, I think women at the right price, this would be, this would be great. And that was all my, my thinking was just for a mobile business. And, you know, it was like, um, necessity is the mother of invention. You know, it's that kind of thing. It was like, I, it was just something that I wanted and wished for and I knew other women who did too. And, and so that was really how it started. And, and, that success and that me getting so busy and realizing like I was going to have to either turn this into like a bigger operation and hire people or whatever, you know, or start a, start my own shop. And, you know, and that's obviously ultimately what I ended up doing. Um, with, you know, the intention of, again, back to the point you made, I didn't have like, I'm going to open 150 stores and do this big product line and blah, 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 It was like, let's just get a store open and see what it's like and see if people like it and see if it catches on. And, you know, and, and obviously it did. And it really blew our minds and completely changed my life and wasn't prepared for like you know, the, (laughs) the rocket ship that we Mm. were getting on and it was kind of crazy, but, but obviously awesome. And, you know, we, you know, kind of inadvertently stumbled upon this like pretty big hole in the market.
0: Yeah. It's crazy to think of it then, because I remember when my mom took me to get my like first dry bar blowout and we went together, she was like a traveling working mom. So that her thing, she'd get her hair blown out for the week before work every week. And it's funny to see how obviously like you invented a new product category essentially because like blowout bars didn't exist. Yeah. Which I is, mean, it
1: wasn't a thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: It wasn't a thing. And 40 bucks, like you said, it was like 40 bucks for a blowout. I'll spend more at like getting a coffee and a snack, you know? <laughs> so Al, you mentioned the rocket ship that that was, can you tell us about the biggest life change and changes and kind of challenges you navigated in those early days of business as a leader that Kind of didn't ask for this massive leadership role and becoming the face of a brand essentially overnight.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it was like we were completely thrown in the deep end, you know, and and in the best way. Um, it, it was such a whirlwind of like things that I, we weren't prepared for, you know, from like, we, you know, that first shop in Brentwood was eight chairs and we didn't have enough staff. And I was, doing, you know, blowout after blowout and standing at the first chair. I didn't really think I needed a manager. I thought I'd like run the shop. <laughs> I, didn't, you know, I mean, you know, and so over time we started to bring on more and more people. And I was like, you know, and I think I, I really drew on a lot of the experience that I had from working in salons, working under owners of salons and how they did it and what intuitively felt right to me, what I learned from watching my parents operate their business. And you just, you know, you're in this mode where you just kind of have to figure it all out as you go, which, you know, I loved the chaos. I loved like, you know, the pace, which we were going, but I was definitely like, I struggled too to like, you know, what's my style here. And I wasn't like, there wasn't, it, it, you know, there wasn't enough time to really even think about it. It was just like, go, go, go. And um, at, over the years, I honed my own personal like leadership style and skills. And I, you know, realized that like, I could be, you know, really harsh. And I, you know, didn't consider a lot of things. And you know, it was just so much, so much learning. And I was not prepared for it. And, you know, we, we realized very quickly we needed to hire more people. We needed to like really, get some help if we were going to continue to grow and scale this thing, which, you know, ultimately we did. And, and that was a rocky road too, because, you know, you're bringing people in and it's your baby. And I was so protective of it and I bet. didn't want to give up any, you know, any, you know, autonomy on the brand. So it was, it was really challenging and there's definitely things I would do different. And, um, but you know, but I'm obviously ultimately happy with, you know, how it went.
0: If you were talking to Younger Allie, what are a few moments that you would be like, oh shit, I can't believe I did that. Like, what has surprised you the most about this journey?
1: Um, I think it was like, I, ha- I I had a very like, you know, the sky is falling all the time, you know, like mm-hmm. one little thing was going to like derail the whole business, you know, and that's like a very like shitty way to live, you know, where you're just like, so on edge. And, you know, it's like, of course, like, don't sweat the small stuff. You know, it's like, I, I, I knew about that statement and, and I tried not to, but I, I did ultimately like, you know, I would, I would, I would get very attached to like little things and stress out about them a lot, <laughs> you know, Where in retrospect. And now I realize, like, you know, I didn't need to do that. And I didn't, you know, and like, you know, of course, like, I mean, I, my life has, you know, turned upside down a couple of different times and I've done a lot of like personal work and, and I've read a lot of things and, you know, something I read recently, I don't know if you follow Eckhart Tolle, who is like an interesting person to follow, but so wise. And something he said that has stuck with me is like, it, that I have to constantly remind myself of is that there's like there are always going to be problems, you know, and how you deal with the problems that's like the thing. And I think that I forever until the last couple of years lived under this, like, you know, let, let let like wishing there were no problems and wishing like everything would just be smooth. And I still do, of course. Mm-hmm. We all, like you just want everything to be smooth and totally. easy, and, like everything just work out. And in a lot of ways it does, and in a lot of ways it doesn't. And you know, and and when you're not prepared for things to not work out and you're not mentally like ready for it it can it can really fuck with you and that was really what the younger version of myself struggled with this like you know just constantly like trying to get to this finish line of like having it all worked out and having no problems and like that never happened never happens it'll never happen you know and it's like I just always, I mean, listen in the fantasy world. I always want that. Like, can everything just be smooth and everybody just be happy? And you know, it just doesn't work like that. So it's more about like, okay, it's the next problem is coming down. It's coming. It's coming. You know. And so I think it's like finding the balance. You know, of of not, you know, of and staying staying in the neutral zone. um, Which reminds me of another thing that someone very, you know, that when Gary V was on my podcast, mm-hmm. he was talking about how he stays grounded because, you know, he's a pretty polarizing dude and either you love him or you hate him tends to be yeah, the, like, I've, mm-hmm. he is, right? Like he's a lot, but he's really smart. I love him, but I know a lot of people don't. And he, his, he, I remember him saying to me that like, he felt like he didn't let the like really great stuff affect him a lot. And he didn't let the really bad stuff affect him a lot. So he was able to stay really neutral. And I think that that applies to what I'm talking about because, you know, you just know, Mm-hmm. bad things are coming and good things are coming too. I mean, shit. I mean, I've had amazing, I, I have so many op- great things and opportunities that happen to me all the time. Um, and, but the problems come all the time too, you know? And so being able to like, know like that's happening, which I didn't know. And I don't know if you can know that. And I don't know if you can know that when, you know, I think there, it is this like game of whack-a-mole. That was what we always said. It was, and someone actually bought us a whack-a-mole. <laughs> game that was in the dry bar headquarters for a long time (laughs) because it was it was like constantly
0: like shit shit what's Mm -hmm. happening next you know and and we had the craziest shit happen all the time so absolutely it's like that saying of like the highs don't last any longer than the lows do in that sense so like don't never let yourself get too high or too low in a conversation with a girlfriend literally this weekend shoot we were just like she was talking about how, like, I just want to like figure it out. Like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to move here? And it's like, I, I was took a step back and I was like, but if we had it all figured out now, like maybe we were you, when we like just had two kids, like you're always going to be thinking about something else, no matter how quote unquote, like figure it out. It is, I think.
1: And, and I mean, like in that, in that instance with your friend, it's like, I guarantee you, she knows what she wants to do. Yeah. She knows she's just, she might be like avoiding it internally. It's like, you know, do I, do I make this move and go to this place and do this thing? Like she knows if that's what she really wants to do and if she's not doing, and if it is, she might not be doing because she's like, well, my parents don't think I should, her. This person doesn't think I showed her. I don't have enough money or I don't have this, blah, blah, blah. All the reasons that she shouldn't keep bubbling. Yeah but you know, right. It's like, we always know what the right thing is. It's just, it's just getting there, you know?
0: Exactly. It's like when you ask someone like their opinion, but you know, subconsciously what you want them to tell you, like that's what you should go and do. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it is like
1: awareness and listening to our gut and all that, you know, and I feel like sometimes
0: that stuff sounds really lofty, but it's so true. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's just something that's like you have to keep trying to lean into and practice, especially in the society that can tell you like so many other things are the right way. Yeah. So true. As you've continued this career, I want to talk about like, what are the coolest moments, just like in this whole experience in those early days, are there any things that you did or things that you got to experience that you're like, wow, I never thought I'd be here today. Oh my God. There's
1: so many. I mean, there are so many and I'm, you know, it's not lost on me, like how fortunate I am and, you know, how lucky I am. And, um, yeah, I mean, gosh, I could give you a list. I mean, in the early days of, of starting Dry Bar, you know, I remember like little things like. We only had the location in Brentwood and um, this was back when like magazines were still really big. And, at, you know, I like most girls, I was a huge fan of Vogue and. I remember getting a call from our publicist that the the beauty editor at Vogue, somebody, some big editor at Vogue recommended somebody came, goes to Drybar, you know, went to Drybar and she came in. And, and I remember being like, holy shit, like Vogue, first of all, knows what Drybar is. Maybe they know who I am, which doesn't even matter. But, and then, you know, the fact that they're recommending Drybar, like that felt like, crazy to me. And then, you know, and then there were like all the celebrities that were coming in Mm -hmm. and who, you know, who I would talk to about why they came to dry bar. And the reason was always like, well, because it's awesome and it's, it's affordable. And I don't love someone coming to my house and, you know, all of that, you know, like big celebrities, like, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow and Jennifer Garner and like Roberts and Julia Roberts. I mean, it was just like, it was such, I was like, I can't believe they're coming, you know? Um, and then I, I got over that and then it was like, you know, then the like opportunities, you know, as the face of the brand, so many opportunities came to me personally, like, you know, all the TV opportunities and like being on the cover of Inc magazine, like that was a really big one for me. And, um, you know, getting asked to be a judge on Shark Tank, you know, that was really cool. I mean, there's, You know, those are like the big things, like the public things. But then it was like also just the, you know, the growth and the emails that I would get from clients who, you know, had gone into Drybar and loved it and how it had changed their life and lives and and that changed their life, you know, and that was like Mm -hmm. the big that was such a big thing for me, too, because you know, I think I felt initially like this was a pretty vain business and we were just doing blowouts. We weren't like really changing the world and not that, not that we were changing the world, but we really were having an impact on women's lives. And, you know, women were using dry bar, you know, before a big meeting or, you know, before a big date or just whatever it was or an interview. And I realized that like, Holy shit, we're like becoming a huge part of women's lives. And they're like, you know, we're, we also, you know, used to joke around pretty early on that we're not selling blowouts. We're selling the happiness and confidence that comes from a great blowout. And, and and you know, it's like it's not every woman knows this. It's like when your hair looks good or you have a great outfit, you feel like unstoppable. And that's what we're delivering at a really affordable price. And 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 so the, the letters and letters and letters I would get and, you know, from people who would like would tell me how much dry bar meant to them. And then the stylists and we were providing all these jobs and training stylists how to actually style hair who would come out of beauty school and didn't really know how. So, you know, I mean the list goes on and on. And it's, you know, there's been so many moments that are just, you know, insane and exciting.
0: In those crazy moments like being on Shark Tank and being on live television, did you Were you fearful? Did you struggle with imposter syndrome? And like, how has your confidence evolved from those early days to the way you lead your many businesses today?
1: Well, yes, definitely. I've, I've had imposter syndrome along the way quite a bit. Um, And I don't think I do as much anymore. I, I think like initially, like when I would be like on a list, you know, next to like Sarah Blakely or, you know, I, I remember one time I was on this, I don't even remember what the list was, but I was like Alicia Keys. And I was like, what am I doing on a list? It was just, you know, and I was like, you know, and I and I still, you know, I have a like a lot of envy, you know, like towards other, you know, other it's really it's like I think we all get like this. Like there's other founders or other like friends of mine who started companies and like you know, I can get like anybody else in the spiral of like, oh, I wish I was doing that. And yeah, want that, you know, um, but, you know, and then there's times where I'm like, you know, you know, you. it's, again, it's that balance of like, you know, I will get stopped or, you know, it's, things will happen or whatever. And I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I, I did something really great. And then I'm, sometimes I'm like in the weeds and dealing with a million things that I'm like, don't, I totally forget all of that stuff. So it's an interesting, you know, there are definitely days and moments where I feel like, you know, really proud and excited. And then there's days and moments where I don't even like think about any of it. Yeah. You know? It's this very mixed bag.
0: So how have you approached like this next phase of life? I know you're getting married. I know you're a co-founder of Becker and Coyle now. You're doing all these other things. How are you approaching like this next part of life post? I feel like what was the craziness of building Dry Bar?
1: You know, it's kind of like an interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a weird <laughs> and exciting and different, you know, since like I'm not involved in dry bar in the day to day anymore. And I got divorced and then the pandemic and it's like everybody's lives is just like yeah. bananas. Um, you know, I' like, I'm, I'm leaning into this more like, you know, advisory role and being able to like, take all the things that I've learned and all the people I've met and all the connections i met and, and like turn them into something else. You know, like the jewelry business, Beckett and Quill is like, just really like a passion project. And, you know, I I do a certain amount of work on it, but, but, you know, it's not all of my time. And, you know, Adrian and I are, Adrian, my fiance and I are doing this thing called impact series where we bring, you know, founders and entrepreneurs together to help give them advice and about the, give them not I shouldn't say advice, but give them kind of leadership and helping them see things about their business and what are they struggling with? And that's like really, you know, personally, I get a lot of like enjoyment and satisfaction out of that, like paying it forward, you know, and then I've joined other boards of companies and I'm advising people and all of that stuff is like kind of my way of giving back, like all the stuff that I learned over the years. So in this like new season of life, I'm also writing my second book. I just got a book deal. That's really exciting that I'm, it's like a memoir. So it's like rehashing everything, which is like awesome and probably crazy to write. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's it's definitely different, you know, and I don't have like a normal job like I did for so much of my life. You know, I I kind of make my own schedule and I kind of figure out how to spend my time on my own, you know, which is really just fun and cool that I can do that. Um, But I'm, I'm, you know, very much in the process right now of figuring out, you know, what where I am putting the most of my time. And, And it's and it's interesting being in the beginning of this year. You know, I do I do have my my hands in a couple of different buckets and figuring out how that all works. But I, but I'm really enjoying
0: the diversity
1: of what I'm doing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I know what you've shared very publicly about your divorce. And I want to talk about it from like a lens of looking at the younger you. So many people are, in a hurry to find the one to get married, to get engaged, to do all the things I think right after college. So, what were some of the learnings that you're taking from your first marriage and just earlier relationships in life that you wish you could pass on to a younger generation?
1: Well, I mean, I think that, you know, you learn so much, like we were talking about in the beginning, you learn so much about yourself as you grow. And I was that person. Like I was anxious to find a husband and get married and have kids. And, and, and of course I don't regret that decision, but you know, I, I now, I I don't know, like, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know the right path. I think it's different for everybody. You know, I, it seems to me like marrying the person that you're serious, serious with at age 25 feels like, you know, I only, because I now know that who I was at 25 or 27 and who I was at 35 and 37 is just worlds different. I don't know if that's true for everybody. I know it's true for a lot of people. And I I know a lot of people, unfortunately, who have gotten divorced after, you know, who who married their college sweetheart or got married in like their early twenties. And then, you know, learned who they really were in their thirties. And we're like, Oh shit, this isn't going to work. Um, (laughs) you know, I would say like, I, I guess, again, I just don't feel like, you know, I want to give advice on this because I think it's so different for everybody. I do know people who've been together forever. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what I do know is marriage is a lot of work and you have to be really willing to like, give a lot and sacrifice a lot and be willing to like own what your, you know, contribution to the marriage is that's working and not working, Um, which I don't think I was. Again, I think a lot of the learnings that I, a lot of like the the exploration of myself and things that I I did after my divorce were things that would have been really helpful to have known when I was married, you know? and I think where we live in a different day day and age now than when I got married, we're like, there is, we're, we're all publicly talking about like all of this stuff way more than we were when I was 27 or, you know, when I got married. So, you know, I think it's just like, I I guess it's like, don't be in a rush, you know, yeah. uh, you have your whole life ahead of you, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who probably felt like I did. Like I wanted they wanted to get married and have kids and like get on with it and Oh, it's a tough one.
0: <laughs> so then, here, let's. I'll ask you this: What are then key characteristics you think maybe people undervalue or overlook that you think are key in like a compatible partner?
1: But see, that's the thing. You know, I think what I wanted when I was twenty-seven, I got when I was twenty-seven. Mm, you know, like that's I, interesting. Y- you know, that's yeah. where, it, That's where it's so hard. This is such a hard question because. You know, it wasn't until like Cam, my ex-husband, he's just like, he's brilliant and smart. He's a great dad. He's this ultra creative guy. And that's like what I was into then, you know, and as I grew and I changed and I grew into more of like a business woman, which was like nothing I saw coming back then, you know, I, I craved a different kind of, of man relationship. And I realized also that like, I really loved a really chivalrous guy. I loved a guy who was like, you know, you know, kind of the take care of me type where, you know, a lot of women, especially today, it's like, I'm, you know, they're like, everything's very like even, and there's not like any, it, it, it comes, it comes across as like chauvinistic or whatever. Like I like that old fashioned. I agree but not all women do. Totally. I didn't didn't know that about myself. You know, I was like, I didn't know what I wanted. And, and I, you know, I've obviously discovered that in Adrian and he's a very, like, he's like a guy's guy and he's very like manly and very like take charge. And, And I think that I also, you know, grew into this very big personality and I was, I had a lot of people that were coming to me and I was, you know, the boss of a lot of people and I was managing a lot. And then I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to like, put all that yeah. aside when I came home and have someone like take care of me because I Absolutely. feel like I'm taking care of everybody, not to mention kids. And so, you know, but who, who would know that at 27 or 25? So that's where, you know, I think we learn a lot about ourselves and
0: I think we change a lot mm-hmm. on to then. So I feel like it kind of reminds me of the concept of like feminine, masculine energy. I know Jessica's wife has talked about this a ton of just like showing up in her masculine at work, but like wanting to turn that off when you leave work. And I feel like that probably was something similar for you. Right.
1: But I could have never, what you just said is totally spot on. And that's exactly something like Adrian and I talk about is like being, you know, you know, I obviously it's still not even top of mind for me, but yes, what you said is exactly true and how I feel. And I didn't, I would have never like that, that whole sentence, like I would have been like, you know, 20 years ago, I would have looked at you like
0: you were fucking crazy. (laughs) Well, I think it's this time in life too. Like people talk about this. There's so much more social media. There's so much more like conversation going on around all these things. Like I was just talking to my parents about something the other day, and they were like, we were never thinking about that at your age. No, of course not. I mean,
1: I wasn't at all. And, and it was almost like, I almost feel like I was a little bit blind back then, you know, like that whole conversation of masculine and feminine and mm-hmm. men, like who, nobody talks no, about that. No, you know? So I think there is an advantage now to, you know, that there is that, that is where I think like social media is great. And that is yeah. where we can, you can explore other things and learn about these kinds of things and listening to this kind of stuff. You know, it's like, you know, trying to really figure out what, you know, makes you tick and what you think you're going to want, which you just also can't really know until you're, you know, until you grow. And I don't don't know. I don't know. Like there's an answer here, but I would imagine the more, you know, the more, the more awareness, I mean, that's, that's kind of the key and probably one of the greatest things I've learned is like the more things that when you're just aware of things, it's like, that's when, you're, you're much stronger, you know, and t- to take on the world and mm-hmm. do it yourself.
0: I feel but. like the answer in all of this conversation today too, is like, there's not an answer because no. it looks different <laughs> for everyone. It really like, And I, I appreciate that so much coming from someone like you, because I think we think someone that's quote unquote made it, that's going to has the answer on how to do it, but how to do it probably is going to look different for every single one of us.
1: Totally. I mean, I have friends who've been married, got married around the same time I did, and they're still like madly in love with their husbands. So it's awesome. It doesn't mean everybody's going to change or, or yeah. change in the way that I totally. did. You know? It's like, who knows? You know, I think marriages do go through like ups and downs and, and that a lot of them can survive and do survive, you know, so it's exactly right. There's not one size fits all to this. It's just like really understanding yourself, which, you know, I think we have a lot more tools to be able to do that now than ever before. So,
0: yeah. And I feel like that applies to like your job, your career, your relationships, your friendships, like, there, there's no answer and there's no path. And that's like, okay. Exactly. Ali. I have two closing questions for you. And the first is what is one area of your life you wish you put more effort or valued more in your early twenties? Um,
1: I think I wish I valued more like, I, I was al- I've always been pretty big on self-care, but I wish I, I valued like nutrition more, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've learned a lot more about nutrition and about like, you know, it's, it's been really hard to break a lot of bad eating habits and things that I, you know, really struggle with like, videos. um, <laughs> I, I wish I had paid more attention to that stuff yeah. when I was you know, I just didn't, I didn't really start paying attention to it until I had kids really. Cause now I'm like responsible for these children and I want to make sure like I'm mm-hmm. feeding them well and whatever. And that's when I started to look at my own nutrition, and figure out like these things mm-hmm. don't work for me, you know, but I didn't pay attention to that until I was older.
0: I also think there wasn't like as much information out back then. Like my mom was like, if we had Trader Joe's when you and your brother were a kid and could just like grow, go grab these great meals. Like that wasn't around. Like that's why people used hamburger helper. Cause that was like healthy. Yeah, it's true. Allie, what is one piece of advice you would go back and give Allie in her mid to early twenties?
1: That it's all going to work out, <laughs> you know, that it's all going to be okay. And you know, kind of back to what we were talking about this like level of anxiety and stress I lived with about, you know, the business collapsing because of one like thing that happened that felt like, you know, the sky was falling. Um, You know, I think the best advice I would give myself is like,
0: just go with it. It's all going to be okay. That is beautiful. Thank you for sharing it. Where can our listeners support you find you give us all the things.
1: Well, I would say the best hub is just my Instagram, which is just Aliweb Ali A L L I W E B B. I post about, you know, our impact series that's coming up, all my new, you know, businesses and all the things that I'm doing. So that's probably the best place to find me.
0: Thanks for all listening. I, I will link that in the show. And if you've made it this far, you probably enjoyed the conversation. Or you fell asleep. <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind, take one minute to rate and review the show wherever you're listening.